So we were just at the end of chapter 24. And we came to the point where we said that true on one hand, every Avera, every, oh, we're on page 9, just after the note. Every sin, no matter which, during the act of sin, separates a person from Hashem. And that's what makes this adulterous woman so insane. She's not in touch with her deepest self, that she doesn't realize she would be giving up her life not to bow down to an idol. And here she's making a transgression, going against Hashem's will, violating Hashem's will, thinking that it doesn't affect her relationship with Hashem, and it's not true. Every single Avera, no matter how great or how small, just like idol worship, rips a person apart from Hashem. But then, after the sin, there is a difference. During the sin, there is no difference. Every single sin rips a person away from Hashem. After the Avera, there's a difference. It depends. If this sin carries the penalty of excision or death at the hands of heaven, God forbid, then the person's soul is cut off until they do Teshuvah. If the person, this sin does not carry the penalty of death or excision at the hands of heaven, then although there's been a slight damage to the general connection of the soul down here to the soul above, it, it's in, in its entirety, there's, the connection is intact. It's okay. So that's after the sin. And now we're going to see what, that, what happens to the divine soul during the act of sin. Uh, one more thing that we said was that while during the sin, the animal soul is united with the klipa and sitra achara during the act of sin, it totally fuses with the klipa and the sitra achara. After the sin, the animal soul rises up from being connected with the sitra achara and draws close again to the holiness of the divine soul. And that's where we are now. I'm going to move back till the end of the note, even though we already said these lines. To return to our original point. After the sinful act, in the case of those sins which do not carry the punishment of Kares, or death at the hands of heaven, the sinner's animal soul, which animates the body and is clothed in it, as well as his body itself, return and rise from the sitra achra and klipa whereto they descended when the sin was committed and they draw closer to the holiness of the divine soul that pervades them so let's examine the structure of our spiritual anatomy the life force of every single Jewish person their essential core self is their divine soul the thing with the divine soul is it does not have any direct relationship with the body. It cannot act out on the body. It cannot use the body in its performance of Torah and mitzvahs if not for the animal soul. The animal soul is the medium, the connection that has the relationship with the animal soul, with the divine soul, and it also has a relationship with the body. And so it then translates the mind and the heart of the divine soul and acts out onto the body. Now, when a person does a sin, Guess who else is involved in the sin? Not just their animal soul and not just their body, but the divine soul is actually the one that gives them the life. So during the sin, the, div the animal soul became fused with the sitra achara, but when the sin was over, where is it getting its life force from? It gets its life force from the divine soul. And so its natural space is to be reconnected again with the divine soul. So after the sin is over, even without teshuva, the animal soul now draws close again to the holiness of the divine soul.
This is specifically with those sins that do not carry the penalty of death at the hands of heaven or excision, because in that case, the soul has been cut off, so there's nowhere to return right now. But what, and what happens to the divine soul during the sin? So this divine soul, The divine soul always believes in the one God and remains faithful to him even while the sin is being committed. What we want to say is that it's the, the animal soul via the body is the one that fuses with the sitra akhra and the klipa. The divine soul, unfortunately, is there in the act. The divine soul is being dragged down into the act. That's the life force. Does it, does, it, does it have some kind of scarring from that sin? Yes, it does. Essentially, we are our divine soul. So although the divine soul is sad, and that's what we're going to talk about, the terrible humiliation that it goes through during the act of the Navera, it doesn't want to, and it's sad, but it's still getting hurt. My son gave me a really good example for this. He said, you know, a, a guy gets sprayed by a skunk, right? He didn't want to get sprayed by the skunk. That was bad enough for him. Now he has to go through a whole terrible cleansing process. Why should he have to go through the whole terrible cleansing process? It was bad enough that he got sprayed by the skunk. That's true. It was terrible that it got sprayed by the skunk, but nevertheless, it's dirty now. And nevertheless, it has to be clean. And that's the same thing with the divine soul. The divine soul, it didn't want to perform the Avera. It was dragged into the Avera, but it's the one who got scarred. And it's the one who has to go through the rectification and the purifying process. Okay, so, so, so sad. Oh, you guys just wait how sad it's going to be when we read the words. Very sad. But at that time, the divine soul was in a state of veritable exile in the animal soul, which derives from the sitra achra, which causes the body to sin and drags it down with itself to the lowest depths. So low, in fact, that it is even lower than the impurity of the sitra achra and the klipa of idolatry may Hashem preserve us. An exile's foreign surroundings restrict him from expressing his abilities and ideas. Similarly, the divine soul, which is in exile within the animal soul in one sins, is unable to express itself in mastery of the body and in harnessing it for the service of Hashem by reason of the foreign environment of the klipa. So it's, it's an exile. It's using its powers to serve something against itself. There is no greater exile than this of the divine exile within the animal soul that is brought on through sin. It is a plunge from a lofty roof to a deep pit. Now this expression, or in the Talmud how it is that we have now, is from the story uh, in Chagiga of Rabbi Hodanasi was reading Echa. Echa is the book of Lamentations. And when he came to the Pasuk, Hishlich Mishamayim Eretz the Pharisee Israel, he has cast down from heaven to earth the beauty of Israel. In his distress, he dropped his, his book. And he cried out, Me'igra Ram Lever Amikta. How terrible is this tumble? It's from a high roof to a deep pit. There's no greater fall than the fall from heaven to earth, or the greater fall than the divine soul being cast down below the Sitra Achara. How terrible it is. 
For as explained earlier, the source and root of all Jewish souls is in the divine wisdom, and Hashem and His wisdom are one and the same. And the sin plunges the soul from this lofty plane to the depths of exile within the Sitra Achar. We have to remember where our soul comes from. Our soul is part of Hashem. The Midrash tells us, Yisrael alu the Jewish people arose in the divine thought. Hashem and His thoughts are one. This is a piece of the divine. And nevertheless, every time a Jewish person sits, chas v'shalom, he takes the <coughs> holy soul, drags it, and forces it against its will to a place that's so low, it's below even the klipa and the sitra achra. Who can mashal ha'aycheiz b'raycheiz shal melech, u'mayridei lemata v'taymein panav b'seich beis ha'kisei malitzaya, she'ein lecha elbein gadol mizeh. It is comparable to one who seizes the king's head, drags it down, and dips his faith in a privy full of filth. The ultimate in humiliation, even if he does it for only a moment. Because you can say one second, the reason why a person will do an avera that doesn't carry the penalty of death at the hands of heaven or excision is because it's just temporary, and then the divine soul will you know, uh, the animal soul will rise up again from the klipa and the sitra achra will realign with the, the divine soul. But even if it's just momentary, taking the king's head and dipping his face in the toilet, that's what it says here, the nice word that they use here is privy, but not everybody's familiar with that word. Taking the king's head and dipping it in the toilet, say, but just for a moment, or in other places in Chassidus it talks about taking a baby's finger and putting it in a fire, just for a moment, just for a moment, but this is the ultimate and greatest humiliation. When a person sinning, they're taking their divine soul, dragging it down to the depths, taking the king's head and dipping his face in the toilet full of filth. And even if it's just temporary, how terrible is this humiliation? For the klipot and sitra achra are called vomit and filth, as is known. Similarly, when one seizes the divine soul, which stems from the divine wisdom, the king's head, and through his sins, forces it into the klipa, a privy full of filth, he brings upon his soul the most unspeakable humiliation, even if he does so only for a moment, for afterwards the soul rises out of its exile. We thus see that the differences between the various sins apply only after the sin has been committed. During the act, however, every sin tears a person away from Hashem. Since every Jew is endowed with a hidden love of Hashem, by virtue of which he wishes to be constantly united with him and never to be separated from him, not even for a moment, he can employ his hidden love in fulfilling all the mitzvahs and avoiding every sin, as the Alter Rebbe concludes in the following chapter. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to summarize this chapter, we'll have questions on this chapter, and then we're going to move to chapter 25. So, this chapter um, finishes our unit in what happens when God forbid a person sins. And really, what's the essential meaning of a sin? The essential meaning of a sin is the same essential meaning as idol worship. A sin represents something that is total separation from Hashem's unity and oneness. And anytime a person sins, they are clinging to, their animal soul is clinging to the sitra achra and the klipa, that's called a vajazara. So they're submitting themselves and clinging to something that represents total separation from Hashem's unity. And not just that, they're actually on a lower level at that time 
than the forces of evil themselves. Because the forces of evil themselves always see their divine source. They know where they come from. And while they consider themselves to be a separate existence, they never rebel against Hashem. But a person who sins is using his free will to disobey Hashem and to go contrary to his will. Unlike the forces of evil, like Bilam said, I cannot violate the will of Hashem. Not only are they more distanced from Hashem than the forces of evil, they're even more distanced from Hashem than those things in this world which get their nurture from those forces. Because things in this world don't see where they come from. So you would think the gnat. The gnat represents the lowest level of klipa in that it takes in and it doesn't excrete. It is the most selfish klipa. It's the furthest. And this furthest klipa, nevertheless, never rebels against Hashem. And even though the animals themselves do not see their divine life force, nevertheless, their body never acts against their divine life force. Whereas the person who does act against Hashem's will goes contrary to him, disobeys him, says that Hashem is not the only master. The klipa says that there's another existence, but Hashem is the only master. A person who sins, not only do they say that there's another existence besides for Hashem, they say that there's He's not the only master. He's not the only one who has a choice over here. Somebody can actually rebel against him. So therefore, with this realization, we can understand why our sages said that no man ever commits a sin unless he's overcome with insanity. Because a Jewish person is prepared to give up their life so as not to separate from Hashem. If they would realize that every single sin, no matter which, from the greatest to the smallest, separates a person from Hashem, they would never do it. So why are they doing it? because they're overcome with insanity. They're thinking that there's a difference between one sin and another. This sin rips a person away from Hashem, this sin does not. It's not true. Every single sin rips a person away from Hashem. What's the difference between one sin and another? Well, it depends. That's what our sages have said both kinds of statements. Our sages have said you may not sit and weigh the mitzvahs of the Torah. They're all the same. And again, the concept of of Isaac ha- mitzvah, patrimina mitzvah, somebody who is busy with one mitzvah is exempt from another mitzvah, no matter which one. We don't say, well, this one's bigger, this one's smaller, so I'll stop this one and go do that one. They're all the same. They're all Hashem's will. And then on the other hand, there is such a thing as mitzvahs that are called the most lightest and mitzvahs that are called the most severe. So where does that come into the picture? And that comes into the picture after the sin has been committed. After the sin has been committed, then you can say, well, this sin has temporary damage, and this sin has permanent damage until a person does teshuva. But in the moment of the sin, they're all the same. So we can really tap into this knowledge in order to keep us in touch with our deepest self, to know that we never want to violate the space within ourselves. We have the deep need at our very core to stay attached to Hashem at every moment. We don't want to be detached from him at any moment, no matter for how brief. And how terrible it is that when a person does a sin, not only does their animal soul unite with the klipa and become lower than the klipa, but their divine soul is dragged into it. Dragged into it, this holy piece of Hashem is being dragged and forced to be under the klipa and lower than the klipa. It's like taking the king's head and dipping it into the toilet, and there's nothing more humiliating than that, even if it's just temporary. So this ends chapter 24. I'm going to stop for questions. If anybody has any. Yes. Yes. So sad. It's so intense. It's so sad. This chapter doesn't make you do chuba. I don't know.